Hey there, and welcome to Quest Along, where I'm on a journey to save you time on these extensive JRPGs. It's a review as we go type of thing where there's a clear spoiler wall to see if this game is for you or not, or you can play along like a true JRPG party member. Either way, I'm thankful for your time. Today we're talking 2019's Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Nintendo Switch. couple of notes before we get this rolling. This is my first main Fire Emblem experience, so I'll be able to tell you if this is a good entry point, but I won't be able to tell you if certain aspects of the systems or gameplay elements are a returning feature. Everything's going to be new to me. Secondly, I am not a strategy RPG dude. Let that sink in, please. I believe I've only finished a single one in my lifetime, and that had Mario in it. I did love Conflict and Super Conflict on the NES and SNES, but... That's because of my connection to my dad and my brothers and playing with them. So with all that out of the way, thank you for the Xenoblade Chronicles 3 love for my previous quest along. It does mean a lot to me. But this is a new quest. And so without further ado, this is nearly 12 hours with Fire Emblem Three Houses. There are many things I wasn't prepared for when deciding to play this game. And this opening cutscene was the first piece. Holy moly is this cool. It has a 90s berserk anime vibes written all over it, and just keep giving it to me. I will take this, I hope this happens 20 more times before the end of this game. And the ending to this bit, the little opening cutscene is pretty dark. I mean, this game is about war, but I didn't think we'd get that brutal with it. But I'm, I'm here for the dark bits, so keep them coming. So by the graphics, immediately I was intrigued. Now, the major thing I wasn't prepared for, though, is the depth and the choices, which I probably should have known that, but I didn't know how nitty-gritty this game was going to get. But thankfully, I'm in the mood to dive in deep, and it enraptured me in that way. The first thing that gave me pause, though, was the permadeath mode to have or to not have it on. I went back and forth, and I ended up deciding not to. Remember in that opening intro, I'm not the strategy RPG dude, and I'm glad I went this route because I'm not experienced in this type of game. And there was a moment later on in this playthrough that I would not have been happy with my results. I, I suppose I could have reloaded or done some mechanic to help me out, but I definitely would have lost some team members. And I'm glad with my choice. I'm also playing on normal difficulty because of the, yeah, you know what's up. So let's start off with the nitty gritty of the battles. I am happy to report I like battling. <laughs> I know it seems kind of simple, but honestly, I was worried about it. People love Advance Wars, and man, did I get bored of that real quick. Sorry, everyone. You can stop listening if you hate my opinion. But this, the animations, the style of fighting, I am into it. I'm really loving the mage classes and how they seem to dominate when they got good cover. I'm learning as I go. When I want to attack a non Archer slash mage with a range attacker, you leave a square between myself and my enemy so they don't get to counter hit on me. You know, little things that you think I would know right off the bat, but again, new experience for myself. And man, when an attack misses you, it's one of the greatest feelings ever. Oh, I, I love it. The dodge looks cool and that swell of awesomeness starts rising. You're like, yes, I am awesome. 
Plus, this feels like an all-out battle happening. Other people fighting when you get down into the close-up battles. I love that zoom feature they got going on. No idea if this is how past ones are. Like I said, I haven't. I don't have much experience with them, or basically no experience. But man, this might ruin any other strategy RPGs if they don't have something similar to this. I mean, back on when I played Conflict and Super Conflict, they had the zoom-in mode, and you get down to the units. But this feels even more fluid, which it probably should, because that was on. The NES, and this is on the Switch. I was worried that the battles wouldn't feel tense without permadeath, because that was one of my stick sticking points in going back and forth on it, but I'm happy to report that they still do. And it's, it's interesting, it's not because I'm worried about my characters dying, but I am worried about my characters dying. Because if they die in battle, they lose out on so much experience if they're taken off the battlefield early. Now. I didn't lose a single unit on my first battle, but the next one I was down to just two. And on occasion, I've lost one or two in the coming battles. But that experience drive and knowing that healing gives me experience, defending gets me experience, I, I just love it. So I want, I want them to be alive in the battle, even without the permadeath mode, and that's a welcome boon to my choice. In the almost 12 hours I've played, I've done 12 battles, so roughly every hour of game time, you're getting a battle. If you choose that road, this game has a lot of choices in how you use your time, which we'll get into that more a bit later. So if you are leaning towards the battling is the main focus of this game, it's almost there. I feel like maybe it's a little bit on the less frequent side for yourself. That's something for you to determine. But man, level up screens. I love, 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 love all of them. It gets me going just on the battlefield, seeing that experience bar fill every time. I can't get enough of it, especially knowing I have a connection to these units makes it even better. I was a little worried about a bigger cast of characters, but so far they're doing a good job of segmenting them and I'm talking to them and all that jazz. But those level up screens, there's so many in this game and I love it. I'm guessing a sticking point for some people on strategy RPGs is the variety of battlefields. Now, so far there hasn't been too much variation I'm enjoying them, nevertheless, but there have been two different maps that have changed it up quite a bit. A Fog of War one, which I really like it to be, it's a little bit more tense, be more careful because you don't know where the enemies are at, that's fun. And another map where enemies were flanking you from different angles and that kept the variety going just enough. One thing I'm quite enjoying in this early session is getting to know the characters and how they react to killing people on the battlefield. And it differs from character to character, and I think that's a nice choice to include that. We get some small story bits before and after each battle, and maybe even a little bit on the field. This brings a nice needed weight to the story, even if it's just a couple moments here and there. But the process is nice to witness each character going through. And let me tell you, there are so many characters. Seriously, trying to pick out what house to align with is a daunting task. I have no idea how long it took me to listen to every single head of the household tell me about their individual class followers, but it was a long time. Even the lady sitting next to me said, wow, there are a lot of characters. Yes, 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 there are. I settled on the Black Eagles, Red, after much deliberation and with advice from a friend on a good starting house, but honestly, I was going to pick Red because of Edelgard right away. Shiny purple eyes and silvery hair. How freaking cool. And I'm glad I did. I'm liking the character makeup so far that they've presented me with. 
I like there's there's other options in the future if I'm really liking this game. I can I can see myself trying to get to know the other characters of the house. So let's dive a little bit deeper into what makes this game pretty interesting knowing I can customize these characters but they still have their own little quirks. Also, shout out to the beginning where you pick male or female Byleth, but they don't say it. It's just, hey, pick which one you look like. Kind of cool. So my Byleth, Eden, I named him, is going down the route of a quick and agile character. I will say I love his design. He's got cool green hair, has some great stern expression so far, very little voice work, but when he does speak, I tend to enjoy it. As of right now, I have him set into the mercenary class. I think I'm going to go to the hero class route, so using swords and axes. He also has a decent amount of faith to use some healing magic too. That Right now, that's where his build's at. Leader of the house Edelgard is next. I love her tenacity and the leadership she's got going on. Plus, there's some interesting stuff happening where I left off, and we'll talk about that later on in the spoiler section. She's a really cool design, and she's the one that keeps the house glued together, minus her butting heads with Ferdinand, who he just inserts himself into challenge her anytime he gets. And man, does she slay in combat. She's my powerhouse. Her axe skills are crushing people left and right. I've honestly had to hold her back from the front lines because she's dominating so much. And she's gaining too much experience and kind of ne I'm neglecting the other players. I've got her going full axe-wielding maniac and currently is a brigand. A br brigadand? I don't know how you pronounce that. I think I want to get her to ride in a wyvern eventually. And yeah, she's a great centerpiece to this building narrative and on the battlefield. Hubert might be one of my favorite characters. From his design, I didn't expect to like him. I thought he'd be kind of a prude. I mean, he definitely has his opinions, but his voice work is so good. And I love the mages in combat. Oh boy, they pack a nasty punch. And they also have decent range, but definitely have to be used with protection knowing they can run out of magic uses, which I ran into that in like the third battle in this game. Currently, he's my monk, and I want him to go full dark arts and be a powerhouse like he presents himself to be. Then we got our boy Ferdinand, and he's an interesting one. I love how he just does not get along with anyone, not because he's mean, but because he's got this skewed look on the world. It's just so funny to me. Every time I'm pairing him up with duties or just watching any of the scenes play along, no one gets along with him, and it's, it's, it's a great experience. Currently, he's just a soldier, and I'm working him towards getting him a horsey, so that should do wonders for his ego. Linhart likes to take naps, and that's kind of his whole shtick. He's currently a noble class, so no upgrades, but trained to be a bishop. I have no idea if I can just skip right to that advanced class when the time comes. I guess I'll find that out. He's my healer with a bit of damage. That's all he does for me currently. Very useful in the field, and just kind of blah for the most part uh, on the narrative side. Caspar. Man, I love this little ball of energy guy. He has one of the, my favorite bonding inspirational scenes later on that I'm sure I'll talk about. He's up there as one of my favorites, too. I've got him using his fists, brawler class all the way. He's smacking dudes two to four times per encounter. He was very weak to begin with and didn't do much damage, but he's starting to get there. A good addition to the team on the battlefield and off. Bernadetta, not loving her character style. A lot of anime shows have this girl who's so nervous all the time that they can't really speak. I find it quite annoying. I get the connection sometimes, but man, hopefully she grows as a character or else it's going to be a very long road. I've switched her character class on the field quite a bit. She was mainly using bows, 
but now I've got her as a Pegasus Knight, and let me tell you, it's freaking glorious. Being able to move again after her attack or after a defend, and the speed at which she covers ground is excellent. Might be my favorite class so far. Dorothea always being a flirt and going on dates, it brings a little fun charm to the game. I bet some people find her annoying, but I like her character so far. Her passive battle boon of healing people that are standing adjacent to her is so useful, and I use that in my planning plenty of times. Plus, she's become an awesome mage that shoots lightning from her hand like a DBZ character. I'm pretty much sold. Petra is a fun character from a different land that doesn't totally know how to properly speak. If you listen to some of our seasonal game content on the Bits of Time podcast, you know I can relate to that from time to time. I mix up word choices far too often, except I don't have an excuse. She's at least learning a new language. Cool design, her hair especially, and she's become my archer class, just taking guys out with two times attacks from afar. Now, all these characters, you're interacting with them in the monastery where the head of this giant church, the Archbishop Rhea, is making you a teacher out of nowhere. You're the son of Geralt, uh, now mercenary, used to be a part of the Knights of Solstice, or Solstice, something like that, and apparently that has sway, but this Rhea, Archbishop Rhea, has some plan, and I'm not sure I'm liking it. She looks suspiciously like the lady from the opening cutscene, and she went a little cray-cray on that general of the other army, so I don't trust her. And here is where we get all the choices and little mini fetch quests to help boost up our professor level, our relationships with our students and staff, and set our character motivations by giving them gifts, training, answering questions, making them sing, dining with them, training, a whole slew of ways to customize. I mean, you can even upgrade statues to help everyone out. It's deep, it's varied, and I find myself not knowing exactly what the best route was, but discovering what I would be doing with my limited time in the exploring sections was kind of a thrill in a weird way. I can see where this can be monotonous to some if you're really focused on the battlefield part of strategy RPG games, but this reminds me of the after big mission moments of the Mass Effect games where you're walking around the Normandy and seeing what new things your characters are going to say, It's not that extreme, but I found myself wanting to see what these characters had to say after a mission or just the antics they were getting up to. Plus, I like the look of this place. It's a good-looking Switch game. I've gotten a little bit of slowdown, like twice when transitioning to a certain spot in the monastery. I think it had something to do with the gate opening up. And I had one other instance where some characters wouldn't load in the dining hall. But regardless, this is uh, running great on the Switch, which is always welcome to see. The style looks nice and clean. I like the character models while I'm walking around the school and on the battlefield. I will say most of the story content has been fine. Outside of character moments, the story feels right now very drop in and drop out with little overarching moments to get me motivated to keep going. But thankfully battling and seeing these characters interact with one another is pretty fun and they're, they have enough teases potentially for plot seeds to flourish and grow that I'm intrigued enough to keep going. I do hope we get a major event that shakes things up sooner rather than later because, like I said, I'm nearly 12 hours in and the shakeups so far have been okay. They've been nice, but not gripping me to death to get me where I can't put the game down until I see the next chapter. Hopefully, it gets there. I will be continuing my quest through this game regardless and hopefully get to the second part on the next episode because part one seems to be very long. I don't have a great way to gauge where a good stopping point is. Maybe that's coming soon or not, but we shall see. 
So thank you for your time, for listening, watching, whatever you're doing. And on to the next part, where we're going to talk about spoilers. Now, I don't really know what's going on with our little green-haired lady or ourself. Not knowing her own memories, we're kind of a little shaky on our own. But it's a cool concept that I like that she talks to us throughout the game and we can hear her thoughts. It's kind of a fun interaction. Now, something I stumbled across by re-watching the opening cinematic. And right, right before the girl who looks like Lady Bishop, Rhea, in the now, right before she brutally stabs this dude nemesis, she says, Do you remember the Red Canyon? And, you know, we fought there in the second or third real battle. And there seems to be some connection there. Apparently she lost everything and she was, and that was supposed to happen so long ago. And Rhea looking exactly like her. I'm not sure what's going on there, but knowing my character Byleth also feels like he's been there before. So there's something strange brewing and I like that bit. It's got me a little intrigued. I also like that Gerald doesn't trust the Archbishop because I don't either. So go daddy. I'm getting some bad vibes from this monastery as a whole actually. How quickly Rhea sent the Western Church to be executed. If you go against the church, it seems like execution is the only option. And that's a line I don't really get down with. So hopefully I get to choose to go rogue or something. Because I don't like being a part of this strict killing belief peeps. Alright, Edelgard and Hubert. I don't know what they're up to. She thinks the world might be better without the crest and the whole lineage that I feel she's a part of. And Hubert saying that she might have said too much. It's very intriguing, and I'm curious what type of plot points that's going to lead to, because having the people under me, my students, kind of having their own motivations and doing stuff without my control, it makes for a fun dynamic. Now, when we go to take out the bandit Lord Miklon, the ostracized son of this Western church group, this is where I'm glad I was not playing on permadeath mode, because I would definitely be upset. Now, maybe this is a new mistake to the strategy RPG game, but I did not think that baddies would come out more than one location, and it threw me off completely because I was messing around with auto battle at the same time. So I wanted to push all my units forward because there was a lot of distance between the next set of enemies on this map, this tower map. Well, auto charge made my magic user Dorothea, Dorothea target an archer further on top of the tower, so she didn't advance like with the rest of the group. I mean, it was cool because she did blast another person and kill them, which was awesome. And I didn't expect that her range would make it there to their archers. So I took back out of the auto battle and I decided to do another blast against that archer to take him out completely. I figure she'll catch up to my main force, but then two other soldiers come up the way we just fought through, which we were told through dialogue that we fought her way up the tower so there shouldn't be anybody else left down there and she gets killed after the second round there was no way she could flee and i couldn't get my healer back to her it was kind of dumb but that's also me being dumb thinking that my enemies wouldn't flank me so i just got to be more observant but when we get up to this tower we beat the baddie and he turns into a freaking monster did not see that coming at all and it's pretty graphic and violent harking back to that opening cutscene. And we actually get to do a boss battle, which I uh, didn't see that coming either. 
And man, this is where I'm also glad I didn't have permadeath because there's a lot of factors into beating a boss and they throw them at you all at once, don't they? Barriers to break. It has more than one health bar. It can do AOE attacks. It was, it was a rough first boss battle, but a nice change of pace overall. Which was a nice needed change, I think. So we've seen this cool Death Knight in one of the stages. We got this Masked Rider. So the villains are starting to show themselves, which is fun. I like that they don't know why I, as Byleth, can wield the Crest Weapon Sword of the Creator without the insert that's missing. That's a clever way of keeping me alive for plot reasons, and also why this bad villain doesn't come to attack me right afterwards, because he's, I'm basically becoming a, a study project in their, their eyes. So, nice job, Intelligent Systems. Using that sword that Nemesis uses is a cool concept, and it does question who I am as a character. Yeah, I'm liking the uniqueness that they got going on there. But that's basically it for the story stuff, and story spoilers, so hopefully this next part will grip me even more. On to the quick bits. Shout out to being able to save often and being able to create a bookmark in battle. Gets a good thumbs up on worthy of your time factor. Auto battle is cool, so you don't have to do the tedious closing the gap to your enemies. Just be careful with it. Shout out to the narrator voice between chapter parts. He's got a cool cadence to his speak. This is a very lore heavy game and I'm unsure I'll remember all these kings, families, and country names. My highest level characters are my Byleth and Edelgard, both at level 15. And my lowest levels are Ferdinand, Linhart, and Dorothea at level 11. And everybody else is in between. Favorite class is the Pegasus Knight as of right now. Having small HP pools makes the battles more intense. I do like that. I'm still glad I chose casual mode. And I'm curious if this story picks up in an overarching way. All right, that concludes part one of Fire Emblem Three Houses Quest Along. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed what you heard, and I hope you enjoy the future episodes coming down the line. If you could, share this with somebody who you know loves strategy RPGs or just loves Fire Emblem. Until next time, happy gaming.